Well, welcome to the Location 1980 podcast. Yeah, this is uh, Jesse Fortune and Eric Ringman here at Location 1980 Art Studios. And, and I'll, I'll put a name on it. I'll say the world famous. And uh, I'm not trying to just make us sound cool. I mean, this, this place does have influence around the world. We got former members living out there. You take annual art excursions uh, on different continents, man. I mean, this place has influence. Yeah, I've always been drawn to the international art scene, the international uh, my friend Steve used to say it back in the day. He's like, he had a lot of patriotism, but he would say, if anything, I'm most loyal to like Earth. He's like, I consider myself a world citizen or Earth citizen. And I feel the same way. I've always felt that way since high school. Like where before I'd never even been out of Missouri. I was like, I want to go everywhere, do that kind of stuff. And now that art has opened that door, um, it seems to be happening more and more often than not that those links are more important. It's like the world's getting smaller. So why not be more familiar with, you know, uh, artists in Prague or Rio, you know, as opposed to just being, Nope, we're staying on the block, you know, like it doesn't make any sense, especially if you just send a, if you post something and people around the world are looking at it, why not make that a real life situation? Yeah. Well, it's a two way street, right? It's like a chef, you know, traveling around the world, understanding different flavors. I'm sure you're getting that perspective doing artwork and just hearing what's popular and what people are into. and Absolutely. Uh, well, before we get too far, though, re- regarding the, the vast spectrum of the world of fame uh, <laughs> that is Location 1980, we can start with, like, a basic introduction. Yeah, tell, tell these people what it is. Yeah, you know, like uh, Eric said, I'm Jesse Fortune. I'm the, um, I guess at this point, the sole proprietor, owner, uh, one of the featured artists, a founding member of Location 1980, which is um, an art collective in Southern California made up of a, <laughs> what someone has referred to as a historical building in the west side of Costa Mesa, <laughs> um, which is technically true. Um, they host, at this point, 15 separate art studios as well as multiple art gallery rooms, uh, featured uh, venue show spaces for um, fine art and every kind of art. And I'm here with Eric Ringman, my co-host, who is also one of our featured artists. Um, and Eric, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, I feel like uh, one of the, the new kids on the block because uh, I've been formally practicing art for about two and a half years in that entire time here. And uh, the artistic temperament's always been within you know, I was drawn from a young age and whatnot, and just always creative, always thinking, but uh, didn't get around to really producing properly until finding this place. And uh, the way I found it was kind of funny. I was invited to an after party here years ago, out of random coincidence. Didn't know this place existed, even though it was about two miles away from my childhood home. And uh, a couple of years later, I decided to apply for a spot, thinking there's going to be a big wait list. And uh, Mr. Fortune goes, well, actually, somebody just left. we got a spot open. You want to come check it out Friday? Uh, well, yes, I do. And, and, and that was that. Yeah. And that was, what, two and a half years later? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, flown by. Yeah. I, well, and in my case, um, something similar. I was at a bar, local bar. I had um, already left a kind of conventional, I have an apartment. I, I've noticed it now since I've... Uh, kind of hosted multiple artists coming from all walks of life and um, all parts of the planet. But if you're local here in Newport, Costa Mesa, Orange County, there's like a gradual ascension. Like 
you you you're an artist and you're either like maybe at your parents' house or you have roommates and then the art space becomes like either the kitchen, the spare bedroom, or usually in my case was the garage. And you max out the garage or the outdoor patio and even though we are in Southern California, there is a winter season. So you start looking for something else. And in my case, I had left conventional apartment living behind before I found 1980 as far as a, a art studio and a, a warehouse, something completely different, more commercial, more industrial. I, I had already been in another warehouse and, um, and I thought it was so cool. And I was like, all right, I'm finally broken free of the tethers of like the nuclear, even like as a, as a single guy, as a, I already had lived in an alternative life in, in, in a normal situation, like, you know, with roommates on the beach, going to work. But I was, a, it, even then I was an entrepreneur. I was trying to make my art stuff work. I, it just was always a square peg in a round hole or whatever. And, and then whenever I left a conventional um, kind of like roommate life, it, it opened the door like, you know what? I could find anything. I could find a, a warehouse, an office space, van life or whatever and i was doing that and i went to a bar with a buddy and uh we saw his like his friend's mom and the friend's mom i'm not gonna lie she's pretty cute uh hot cougar and she had this dude with him that was kind of like even in the conversation he was kind of like big leaguing us but he was an artist he's like well i'm an artist she's like her name was trish she was, trish was like jesse oh you gotta meet my friend and i'm gonna do a lot of uh what do you call it? Impersonations. Surnames. Uh, yeah, impersonations oh, I could do. Uh, names to protect the innocent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, she says, um, you got to meet my friend. He owns an art gallery. And he's like, what's up? I own an art gallery. And almost like, I'm so cool. But he was kind of cool. So like, I was like, all right, whatever. I was like, cool, man. And I was like, what's it called? And he was like, it's called the World Gallery. And I was like, oh, it's dope. All and right. you're like 35-ish when this is going on? Um, like 32? Yeah. I was definitely 30-something. I turned 40 here several years ago. <laughs> we'll figure out the timeline in our timeline episode. Um, but in this case, it was the general notion of like, I was at this one warehouse space, maybe a mile from here. And I thought that was already cool. Cause I was, I was there. It was above a screen shop, a screen printing shop. And like, just like knowing that like, there's a cool office downstairs and like, and I was up there and it, you know, it, was, it was like on a busy street and there was like a spiral staircase and these big, big windows. It was all everything that was not a normal, like not only just housing situation, but or a, um, a office situation or art studio, real art studio, something that would be much more commonplace in New York or San Francisco or any big urban environment where you could find a warehouse. Like even when I went to school in Kansas City, a lot of the kids would have like a uh, warehouses in the warehouse district and you go to the parties there you're like oh why don't we have this why are we in a two-bedroom with a basement yeah, for suburban oc yeah. it's pretty novel yeah and so when we, yeah so when we found it or when when he goes all right well this is what you do we're having a party this was at a bar down the street i'm not gonna say which one it was but it was a local bar it was like a sunday night he goes next weekend we're having a, a little art show you should come by so i i had a scooter at the time i rode my scooter over here the place was dead nobody was here lights were on though i walk in it's like uh what i feel like a lot of people might think how they walked into this place to this day still sometimes they're like what is this place um 
is this the right door? You know, I'm, are, is that guy going to be here? Like, hey, uh, this guy sent me here. Is this an art gallery? Yeah, because everything next to here is like places doing tires and yeah. like fenders and all kinds of light industry stuff. Yeah, and we are in like kind of this old school, what I know now from the history of uh, our street and our neighborhood is that this is the auto kind of, uh, there's a real rich history, even in this building of hot rods and auto cars and auto sales and upgrades Speed shops and yeah and so like um at the time i but i didn't know that i walked in what is this and i found a guy and hey welcome and he didn't have any explanation like it's a light crowd and at this point i had already been a you know i've been to la san, san diego san francisco at big art shows small art shows little you know shotgun storefront art places and this is still kind of unique because i was like this is a really old warehouse and you know, I grew up in a very humble beginning, so, like, I don't judge anything like that. I was like, let's see what the, the, the crux is, though. You know, it's one thing to walk into an old building and see, like, oh, it's not it's not a million-dollar new construction, but does it have a million-dollar vibe, or does it, you know, what's good? And it was, it was kind of, you know, niche, and, like, I was like, all right, this is cool. But then, like, it was just a little more even more random than where I was at. So I was like immediately intrigued and they happened to have a studio available and it was more inviting than the place I was at. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to come over. And that place was called the world gallery. And, um, that was March of Oh nine. And in March of Oh nine, I got my first studio here, started making artwork and, uh, and then, uh, like, the rest is history, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot so, of history. We'll get to that. So, yeah, March of 09, that's, that's how we uh, found the place. And, uh, and a little bit about myself, again, I said I'm Jesse Fortune. I, I, I graduated 2000 from Kansas City Art Institute and came to California as my brother was like, dude, I got a spot on the couch, roll out. And I just came out here in 2000 with a one-way plane ticket. And, like, uh, I had a, I think I had a Mac, like a big, like, a top. Mac Tower, and um, I had it in the suitcase. I had that suitcase, and my other suitcase. I remember it was kind of like a commercial. I, I was so happy to be here, and I, I had bought it at, like Salvation Army, and I never had suitcase before. I've never been anywhere before, and so like, I pulled it off the uh, carousel, and it ripped at the seams, and all my shit went everywhere. <laughs> and LAX, at the carousel, all these people were like traveling, business people, and I'm just like scrambling. And it's not like the movies where somebody's like waiting with a sign, you're your loved ones are like, oh, welcome to California or whatever. Like, there was none of that. It was just like random people nice enough to kick my shit out of the way. You know, like, oh, it's just, all right, whatever, rookie from Missouri. Like, so, you know, I get here and 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 in 2000, I just kind of paid my own way. The first mission was get off my brother's couch. And I did that. And then the next thing was like, how do I not work at a mall or work anywhere or for anybody. And I did that via personal training and I started being an entrepreneur for sure. And then I was like, now how can I do all of those things? And then, but only with artwork and only like make and sell artwork. And 1980 is the crux of that because by helping other people in, in forging a spot where other people can make artwork, then that makes us all be able to like make art, and just by creating the space to do that, we've now made a destination location where people can come see the work made and, and meet the people who make it. 
Well, it's funny, your reaction to the first time you got here, you know, and now you own the place. Yeah. It's the same as, as my reaction the first time I came here. And it's the same as basically every single friend and, and person of any kind that I have brought here is they come in and the, the outside is so unassuming. And until about three months ago, like we didn't even have a sign, right? It, was, it would intentionally, you know, it was very underground, but everyone would come in and they just, they don't have any point of reference in their life to try and slot this into a box of like, oh, this is similar to XYZ thing I did or have been to before, you know, even folks that are in the kind of alt community or the art world or that like, you know, Burning Man, like who, who do weird stuff. Yeah. And they come in here and they're just like, dude, what? And so they get this kind of blank stare because they got to they don't have any, any any folder. They have to recalibrate to slot this in. Yeah, they got they got to write new material like make a new space on the shelf to put this in there you yeah. know and and they keep walking through because it's it's this it's narrow but long deep property and they walk back and they start seeing more and more and more of it you just see their eyes and they're like they, they don't have anything to say other than oh my god this is so cool yeah they're, just, they're always blown away that's a really good point i mean and this many years later i guess what's that 13 years uh you know, March of 2023, I guess that's, I can't really do the math, but 09 to 23, is that 14 years now? It's going to be in March. So that whole time I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen with, like you said, people that are all communities or have been, a lot of times you get somebody that's like really like on the, the dirty, dirty, like they've been around the world and in some cool cities and like, you know, you get your San Francisco, Oakland, anywhere in Brooklyn. I got lucky because I got a mentor who, who lived in Brooklyn in, in the eighties and nineties and like in like a real heyday of art. And, uh, and that's something where you, you catch every once in a while. Somebody is like, wants to be familiar. Like they get the aha, like, Oh, I know what this is. This is crazy. It's going to be great, but it's so few and far between, you know? And it's like, and I felt the same way. Like, uh, especially cause uh, some of the stuff, like, when I first got here, it was kind of off-putting. Like, oh, it's like a lot of stuff or a lot of <laughs> things in a way. And, like, you can't really navigate. And then since then, it's kind of changed. It's a little more open and welcoming. Like, so, But you still get that same kind of dumbfoundedness. And it's a good thing. It's something, well, as long as it's on this location or if it's, if it's transferable to uh, that level of culture in a different location, I, I'd like to bring that notion because it does – it catches people with their with their pants down and then you kind of give them that little kid moment where like the first time you walk into like a big toy store we're like this is all toys like no shit like and it's <laughs> the same thing here it's like this keeps going and the, you're right the first time they turn a corner and they could see the extent of the how long everything goes you get that first visual of like oh it goes all the way back there it's like yep all art all eight thousand square foot of it like go check it out you know and then uh it does it it is something about that you get rewarded so if you're willing to uh if you, if you have a chance to catch people off guard like they in today's world where everybody knows everything and they're experts on everything and and then you just innocently undress them like right they get out of their car and they do that kind of 
where did people stop their feet and then like crane their neck out and look both ways and like, oh, is this <laughs> going to be cool? Or like, do I just like turn around and get back in my car? Like, which mask do I put on? Yeah, yeah. For this situation. And then it just keeps and like... And you don't get to because it's, yeah, it's a new situation. Yeah, yeah. And it just keeps undressing. Like, no more masks. Like, now you got to be a new you. And I've seen it happen at parties where people kind of get comfortable and then now they're like finding themselves uh, like a... Uh, Kind of like when you go to Vegas and you're your Vegas self, you know, and I know before I get on, as soon as I buy a plane ticket to Vegas, I'm like, all right, I'm getting a new outfit or two or three shoes, whatever. And and when I walk off that plane or come out of that elevator, I'm yeah, going watch out. full tilt, like just, you know, uh, fortune personified. And the same thing happens here, but people just don't know it. And that's just more honest. It's like, oh, well, that's so subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody gets that Vegas feeling. And that's like, that's part of what you're buying. That's why you go to Vegas, you know? Sure. And like, yeah, the, A, they're not expecting it. And B, it just kind of creeps up on you because you're not, you're not expecting this environment. Yeah. Yeah. Deep. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to like witness that over and over again. So you've been here two and a half years and you had come here previously, probably before you ever had a studio here maybe yeah i mean it was probably about a two it was like a three year gap between when i got randomly invited to that after party from probably the same bar sure that you were at right down the street here <laughs> yeah. and one of the artists who was here in residence at the time uh was was at that party and he invited me over here for the after party and yeah i mean i i grew up like a couple miles up one way and I took Taekwondo a couple miles the other way on this street. So I have passed this building literally thousands of times and did not know it existed. And yeah, and I ran into you, of course, and you recognize that there was a new guy and you're giving me this tour around yeah. <laughs> and he was pulling back the curtains and I'm seeing everything. And I'm like, this has been here the whole time. What the hell is this? Yeah. It's the number one thing. You know, I, I've been here for almost every major show we've had, but you know, like you mentioned, I travel quite a bit. So Sometimes I'll be gone for a month or two months or three months, sometimes consecutively. And when I'm gone, um, we've kind of finally built a culture and a vibe to the point where, it, and it's always been one of my points. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to be here, like hold hands or there would be a, a weak job of empowerment or like a, like a, the fabric wouldn't be that rich if I had to be around to like make it cool. In fact, it should be cooler sometimes when I'm gone. Cause like, new shit could happen and as long as it's in the guardrails which are pretty broad and loose it's pretty flexible yeah yeah <laughs> as long as it's somewhere in there i'm cool with it like tell me about how i was when i get back but but for the majority of like if there's like a hundred percent i've probably been here for a good 80 percent of everything that we've done and curated and Number one thing I do when I'm hosting a show, whether it's my artwork or group show or someone else's and I'm acting as a gallerist or just a host in general or just, uh, you know, I got family in from out of town or whatever it might be, whatever level, like the president of the United States to the president of the auto club, like whoever it is, you get that question, especially if they're local. But even if they're not somehow, like they could be from out of town, but like, I drove to my from my hotel to the beach and still never knew this. But the number one thing, thing people say is like i've been driving by this place for 30 years and never knew it existed and i've heard it to like uh like too many times to where it's like well you know what i'm glad you said that and it always sunk in i was like but it'll be a point in time where that changes and we're actually like as we're talking these words are changing that point in time we're at that yeah we're pivot, right we're right at the the pivot point yeah. yeah it's just like no actually i have i've been there you know or like now we have the signage like you mentioned 
and then it was always because uh you know physically what we're working with here is uh almost let's say because uh for those uh listeners that aren't familiar with 1980 we got a i don't know 1940-something built, original California redwood construction barn, essentially, was made for building boats. So it would start in the front. You know, you start crafting a yacht, and then by the time it hit the back, which is like, you know, 300-something foot lot, long and skinny, like shotgun style, property's only probably 50 feet wide, maybe 60 feet wide, um, but it's 360 feet long, you know, so it's super, super long and skinny. And, uh, they used to start boats in the front. And by the time it got to the back and hit the alleyway, it was going to the Harbor. And so since then, this buildings have been mostly like something to do with cars, a gas station, speed shop, auto body, all these things that revolved around cars. And even when I came here, it's all compartmentalized. So everything's kind of everything was chopped up. So as long as the building is, there is no visual line except for the driveway where you could see how far it went. And there was all these little divisions and sometimes it could be handy. But when we kind of took over the lease of the property, we basically saw like some of these old things that were kind of cute or kitschy or at one point maybe necessary because there's multiple uh, people leasing the building or their little section and once we kind of blew through all that, we're like, well, let's just start removing some of these little barriers. And like, it, it's funny because they were, they were both physical, but they were also spiritual and like mental, like just a wall or like a some old, heavy, wet looking thing. Once it's gone, like the air and the light can shine through. All of a sudden, guess what? Boom, creativity sparks, you know? So we spent our first couple of years just kind of basically rehabbing the building and like rehabbing the the this um the property lines and just getting the space back to like what it could be or taking it to a whole new level which we which which we have at this point um and then in the meantime which is also cool not just happened here on this property but the entire neighborhood coincidentally if we could have guessed i mean you could do a dart in the dark that we were going to pick the one spot in orange county that would be possible to have a gigantic art warehouse in the middle of multiple neighborhoods that could support like local artists without having like a angel investor or like, you know, deep pockets or anything like that. Like it's simply, I don't, without some kind of serendipitous coincidence, it couldn't happen. Yeah. I don't say happen because now, like not only did it happen here, but like I said, the whole neighborhood now there's, you know, we got the most popular coffee shop in all Costa Mesa directly across the street. Literally across the street. Shout out to Moon Go Coffee. We love you guys. Big fans. Been there almost every day since they've been open. Um, but not just that. Then they rezoned the whole place. So now there's like, it used to be all light industrial. Now there's, you know, million dollar three story contemporary homes that are a few doors down that simply didn't exist when we took over. Yeah. The, I mean, literally a couple building. years ago. Yeah. So now there's like, not only just the neighborhood facade is changing but the culture because now you got people walking the dogs and the babies and you know and you got also like uh affluent culture it's like i don't know if there's a happy gentrification but this is it i mean there's part of the neighborhood that's holding on it's like you know low to middle income uh multiracial 
Um, it's definitely Mexican American, Latino culture, but there's also like rich white people moving in. But it's all happening at once, and it seems and it's to, all in a very to work really tight, well. interwoven space. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, like around the corner here, we got like those little bars and things over there have changed ownership so many times. Because I'm a local, right? Yeah. I, I've aside from college and a year in Hollywood, I'm born and raised right here. You know, I spent 30 years like right here. And there's that one, I think it's the, is it the El Conejo? There's the, the little... Giribaldi? Uh, is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah the, the little uh, Mexican dance hall. I think there's... And that shit has been there longer than I have, <laughs> yeah. while every single other business around it has changed hands like four times in the last 10 years alone. They're holding it down. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. It's because they're doing a bang-up business, yeah. Shout out to Giribaldi's. <laughs> like it. Yeah, so um, tell me about like the neighborhood from like when you're like 17 or something because i know where you grew up and where did did that have the same impression they used to call it like the kind of like the back door to the beach placenta you know versus staying on the 55 oh absolutely i learned a lot of that from the locals but absolutely because like to, to get from here to the house i grew up in you literally need to take one turn yeah. Like you would take this street about, I don't know, three, four miles or something, and then you would turn right and go about two football fields, and there was the house. Is that a country club or what is Yeah, it? right up there. You know how, okay. how it hits me? It, uh, it's that horseshoe. Sure. Yeah. And it hits Adams twice. Yeah, it was right inside the horseshoe there. Right. And so, like I said, we'd come down here going to Taekwondo and stuff, and 17th Street, you know, the best kept secret. You can go to the middle of the summer, yeah. and the whole rest of town is covered in tourists. That's the one place in Newport Beach that'll be still locals only. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this was all, like you said, it was all industrial. I mean, there's places you could get plate glass windows, there's speed shops. Um, there's all kinds of these little metal fabricators. I mean, I got a camera rig that would plug into the trailer hitch on my car, fabricated over here. Cause, and I was like a kid and my dad's like, yeah, I know the place yeah. and just takes me down to some spot. And I described to the guy what I want. And he, you know, he sees it. It's like this 13 year old kid asking for it. He's like, uh, 40, 40 bucks and it's yours. Yeah, it might have been 20. You know, 20 bucks and I'll do it. He was just happy to make a kid happy. Custom bumper mount. Yeah, and he just welds together this thing out of a couple iron pieces and got a little plate on top. And then I was all happy because I could slap the camcorder on the car, you know, and have a blast doing my little Ocean's Eleven scenes. But uh, how'd that video come out? It's oh that that one's on YouTube. That's we we can talk about that another time. All right, sweet. <laughs> but, yeah, I had all kinds of fun doing that, but. Yeah, I've definitely the biggest change of those those uh, I don't know their condos, apartments, whatever. But yeah, yeah the like three story things, and it's like being like you said in Brooklyn, where the roof is accessible and they've got those strings of light bulbs hanging across there. Yeah, and you can hang out up there looking at the stars. You know, none of that was there. Before. I d- I did read an article. I think it was maybe like a Huffington Post or something. There was some link I clicked on it. And it said, follow the Edison lights to gentrification. Oh, 100% true. And I was like, oh, I was like, we got Edison lights. And I was like, wait, but are we are we gentrifying ourselves? Like, I put those up, but I'm just trying to ball out. But it's funny because looking down the street, you can see that, you know, on yeah. the rooftops or whatever. But like like I said, if there's a sweet spot in that, like, you know, I have people like, you know, horror stories and really good friends that got pushed out of neighborhoods in San Francisco and now... If you listen to any local from San Francisco, like, unless you're killing it and you're in a little niche community, like, a lot of people are writing horror stories after horror stories. Oh, yeah. People are just, they're just defecting. They're just like, I'm over it. I can't. Like, a lot of people try to hang out, like, 
ride the tech wave and like just make it through and still be in a cool neighborhood and those neighborhoods just like literally go away like there's full sections of san francisco they're only still called that just because of the the street names and stuff like but they're no longer what they used to be like little pocket neighborhoods are just and so like i hope that this doesn't happen here um and it doesn't seem that way because it's as fast as it's happening it's kind of like everything's happening at once still there's no like full-on it's it, i think there's room to grow that's the thing maybe in 10 years it'll change but right now like all the aspects are firing there's there is new young money coming in that can afford a very small uh, shotgun three-story probably not worth 1.3 million dollar <laughs> building but it's right there but they got it hey and i'll never uh, count anybody's money like that's the kind of deal you're fucking with and you can buy that and be happy sweet but also like two doors down there's like old buildings that have been here since the 40s or 50s and they're still going and some of those businesses are still going you know like some people like only go to that one mechanic like no matter what for sure like generational oh i got one you know yeah and so like that that stuff still exists also but it's like i could tell now just by being one of like one of the old guys on the block because when we first came here the the world gallery was already about to be three years old i think i'm not sure exactly the full history but they were on uh they had already peaked out i could tell and and then they were on the way out but that being said they had the kind of there was like this whole art little scene like happening there's a couple other pockets of art stores and stuff like that and then that kind of went away and like when we first started we were much more broad kind of venue so to speak we would do whatever birthday parties we still had a, always an art gallery, but we yeah, were... Yeah, I mean, you've married multiple people here. Yeah, yeah like, man. Um, all kinds of... 50th birthday party, that was one of the most unhinged parties I've been to out here. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we could do uh, we could do a rundown real quick. So, since we've been <laughs> here, we've done uh, anywhere from two-year-old birthday party to eight, eight, 80-year-old birthday parties, multiple wedding receptions. Um, we've done... Every holiday, we've done New Year's Eve. We've done uh, Speakeasy, Halloween. We had Mark Farina here, which was pretty dope. Um, That's probably one of our largest uh, gatherings. Um, we've done, we've done, yeah, Super Bowl, poker, charity events. Uh, we've done high school art shows, which has now become an annual thing for the high school seniors in the local school districts. Um, we've done local skateboarding charity events. Uh, we've worked with uh, any number of nonprofits from surf to skate, um, and everything in between, between private events, uh, corporate team building. Uh, so we've done it all. We're just here, like, kind of poking along, trying to get it done, trying to get it done, trying to stay relevant and build our, build our deal. But in the meantime, there was a lot of, places opening and closing and the time we've been here is like several times over so you're thinking like whatever we're doing that's fine but i'm kind of also watching just as a uh you know businessman that's keeping the doors open and the lights on and meanwhile just like you know checking out the hood like all right these people are balling out then they come and they go you know and you're like oh whoa that was quick i mean hurley for example yeah you know hurley and nike gigantic company <laughs> And just as quick as they were here and they built this mega uh, contemporary warehouse complex, 
Well, and Hurley, like, that's a hometown brand, right? Exactly. That's, that's a Costa Mesa born in a garage brand, right? Right. And, yeah. it, and it went like a rocket to the top, you know, of the surf uh, brand industry. And, and just quick as getting in bed with Nike. And I don't know the whole corporate situation or who sold what or whatever happened. But just like that, they're like little 30 building complex got you know i don't even know if they still have a presence there but then like now all of a sudden there's like 40 companies in there it's not just hurley and nike now it's uh, electric bike and some other things shout out to electric bike and hurley. Say every other and business nike. in here is an electric bike yeah now. which is great i mean it's fun but it's just uh, my point is that, um just in the short time that we've been here so short times like you know 14 years but in that time as the neighborhood grows some biz- businesses fold it's kind of like this razor sharp marketplace you know like it's something like i hear in the midwest when people say well isn't california so expensive to live there it's like it is but you also can make a lot more money and you can make it quicker so the market's like yeah here, here. the market's faster you know it's like so you get a good idea you can you can make money fast but you also can blow it and burn out quick too but fuck it let's roll the dice yeah or you could just like you know whatever kick back on the porch and like you know when this place will let you do the latter. Right? It'll <laughs> let you kick back. Like, New York won't let you do that. Right. You, bring, you bring your A game or you get fucked. Yeah. This place, if you bring your A game, it's going to be awesome. But if you don't, it'll let you, like, kind of hang on somehow. Yeah, like, maybe it's just the weather, I think. That's kinda, probably a lot of it. Yeah. You know, like, if it was a little more harsh, I think th- that would be a quicker timeline. But <laughs> I, I had some really good advice to, to a homie of mine. I still had my last retail job. My my first job was for a vitamin maker that has a three initial name uh, that sells vitamins in this mall down the street. It's this big fancy mall and it's outdoors. And I had did it in college and it kind of taught me to be a salesman, which is good because it taught me how to, you know, kind of sell art and just be in a retail environment. And it was just a good way to crack the, the code and having a job in California and like, I had already been familiar with it in Kansas City before I graduated, so doing it out here was like, all right, well, I got that licked. I can do that 40 hours with my eyes closed. But now we're in a much more affluent place. People are spending, you know, a couple hundred bucks, you know. I might as well be walking in with black cards buying vitamins. Like, oh, this is easy. Like, what are my sales numbers? Great, I'll do that before 10 in the morning. <laughs> it's like, oh, we opened at 9. Like, don't worry about it. I got it. <laughs> And then, and then one of the, and then they got, I got to make meet local kids, and uh, one of the kids, um, he ended up being an educator, but he was local like three generations. I think his grandpa like lived in Newport, and then his dad, and he, and then he was like went to Newport High, and he was like, dude, he's like, and I was fresh off the boat, like out of Missouri, and I was just like, you know, at the time I lifted a lot of weights, and I was definitely athletic, super jock, but. I was all about art and at the time I was trying to, you know, I was basically being a personal trainer to kind of get out of a employment status and be self-employed. So I was all about lifting and just being outside and like hiking and biking and all that stuff. And he's like, dude, did you learn how to surf yet? And I was like, no, I was like, he's like, do you want to learn? I was like, absolutely. And he's like, I'll take you tomorrow. And I was like, sweet. And he's like, will you go? I was like, dude, I'll tell me what time. He's like, all right, it's going to be early. And then, and he just like, took me under his wing and was like dude i'll teach you he taught me how to surf he get me hit i just like dude i got no surfboard no wet so he's like i got all that shit i grew up here three generations he's like we got a garage full of shit so he got me on a board and i just by him being so generous with his time and uh, energy and welcoming me i really took his advice i'd be like all right dude he, he looked at me too like it was funny because i was older than he was 
and already been in seven years of college and, you know, a little more diverse background. So like, here's this like young kid is basically silver spoon, you know, like, which is, I'm reluctant to take too much life advice from no hard knock motherfuckers, you know, like, you know, it's like, all right, what do you, what is this kid really going to tell me? But one of the things you said, he goes, careful with Orange County in general, but especially Newport. He's like, it's a very slippery slope. It's a palatial prison. He's like, I've seen people, <laughs> he's like, I've seen people smarter and cagier than you, not knowing you that much, get chewed up and spit out. He's like, you got to watch out. He's like, because you think it's all fun and games until you're out of money or you're in debt or whatever it is. But then it's like, Oh, I just want to keep trying to keep up with the Joneses in the social arena. And it's like, it's yeah, a, obviously a it, ton of people around here get lost in that. Yeah. And, and it just keeps going. And it's like, uh, my former business partner used to say, he's like, the party is going to go on with or without you. So you don't feel obligated to be there because it doesn't give a fuck about you basically. And anytime you, want to let it rip then you could jump right into the party but. which is kind of a beautiful microcosm for the universe at large yeah <laughs> yeah the, the the wheels are in motion like you don't have to be the one running the treadmill like you know and uh but when it comes to this place like in, in location 1980 in general like i i think i've kind of brought that lesson into play with uh artists like yeah i've been benefit i've had the benefit of having really good art mentors and life mentors. And I've also been able to be a mentor and I'm currently a mentor to a lot of people um, loosely, you know, I guess I would say, but in this place confirmed. Yeah. In this place, while you're under this roof and, and part of this culture, the mentorship is fully activated. And it's one of those things. It's like, you know, we're here in this, this really cool place. And it's like, you know, kind of like Bam's warehouse here or whatever, back in the day, like you could, you know, you could drive a four wheeler into the ball pit or whatever, you know, but that's all great. But it's like, what's really happening Like here. It's like, it's all funny games, but like, what art have you made? Like, how do you justify your spot? And now that we are a coveted position, like people got to know, like there's four other people that want your spot. Like, it's like, so you got to, you got to take the good with the bad. You got to like, you know, sharpen your sword on like the, the general like hard work of the situation. Well, and that, that's like when I got this spot, uh, I think the day I came over, cause I came over once to, to take a look and instantaneously I was like, yeah, this is the shit dude. This is like absolutely fucking perfect. And then it was like, okay, yeah. Then I was like, I'll be back tomorrow. We can sign papers and I can give you the money. And you're like, yeah, I got one other guy that's looking at it at the same time. And I was just like, I got cash. Yeah. Yeah. When in that, <laughs> just, I got that, cash in hand. That's a good and notion. Then, well, and then after, a little bit after I got the spot, then you also said to me, you're like, man, literally within the week after you called me, I had like five other people coming looking for spots. It, it, it happens often. And, uh, excuse me. We have a few, uh, few spots open now. And then it'll be the same thing. It'll be like this damn, like, can't find anybody, can't find anybody. And now it's more about the right fit because we have so many, um, we're in the sprocket cogs or uh, uh, teeth, teeth. Yeah. Yeah. We, the yeah. There's enough teeth making the gear go around that like, you know, one or two missing tooth teeth is, is uh, it's not going to, uh, it's not going to stop the wheel from going around. But that being said, it's because of that. We don't have to like take the next person. 
just because they sign up or just because they have cast. Just because they appear. Yeah, I mean, I could have three other artists that are already here. Like, I'm not even going to do the interview. You guys did the interview. You know, do you want to have this person around our working environment? Well, that's kind of how you got me in here. And I've told this story to a lot of people, right, is that's the moment I could see it turn is you were giving me the tour around the place and uh, you brought me in to uh, to the main room up in front and, and Lauren who we'll have on a on a very near future episode of the show here uh, shout she, out to Lauren she, yeah big humongous shout out to Lauren uh, so Lauren was in there and uh, Amy was in there too I believe and you ba- you basically you tossed me to the wolves in like these are two folks that I've never met before in my entire life <laughs> yeah. and you gave like just uh, just enough introduction you know for it to be cordial and formal and proper and everything and set me up into conversation with them and then not just like energetically with the in the conversation but physically backed up yeah and it was like i was now swimming on my own there you and, go. And, and i and i could i, I was kind of so in it that i didn't notice what i'm about to say until it was over maybe even until like a week later or something or a month later but it was like you were watching how i was because it was like yeah we had the interview you and I yeah. you know, just chatting, and that was that was grand. That was great. Yeah. Uh, but maybe any idiot could do that. The stopped clock twice a day is right. But then you threw me into this random situation with two of your other very trusted members of this community. Yeah. And just see how I was going to do in this completely unscripted, impromptu situation. And then what you know, I chatted with them for a few minutes lauren brought up burning man and that was like a huge point of connection that obviously we'll talk about a lot more going forward but when then your and i conversation resumed after that there was a whole shift that was different from everything up until then and i could tell in retrospect that that you witnessing how i performed with these people that you really value and trust and who have themselves been artists here for several years before i even showed up it was like, oh, that's when I really passed the test. That's yeah. when it went from, hey, this is a guy who's like kind of intriguing. He's an artist. He maybe does some cool shit, whatever, to, oh, okay, yeah, this is the guy. Yeah, it could work, yeah. And, and it, it's it's a sink or swim. I mean, uh, shout out to my uh, former business partner, really good friend, Brett Douglas. Um, we had a lot of sayings around here from old country stuff from Missouri that half of it's made up, half of it's somebody's grandpa said. We don't know, but... W- we when we adhered to it, it still meant something. It's still to this day. It's like walk fast and carry something. Chop wood, carry water. You know, it, it it's a it's it's something where it's noticeable right away when the slack starts. Even with myself, like if you're if you're behind, if you're daily, you're a dollar short. It's because of when the sun was shining, you weren't chopping wood, you weren't making hay. You know, it's yeah, you like, weren't doing double time. Yeah. when it was the boom period, and now yeah, you're I, sucking it in the bus period. Yeah, which is fine. It's like it's just you don't want to like like repeat that uh, too often. Sometimes you need to take it in the teeth. I think it's that's just life, you know. But even in our world, it's just a more needle point. It's a it's a lot more clear because it's is is as many outs as you have in the art world, like to come up or to make it or to get by or to express yourself is, is it could go away like that. If you take it for granted or you're not hustling towards the right direction, um, you know, it's just, it, it, 
it just it could stop happening you know it could fizzle which is even worse than like burning out like <sighs> it's like a rock star you know it just hangs on in the same old song or whatever some some rock stars would be like absolutely fuck that and they kind of slowly rush yeah yeah it's like no it's like i'm gonna try something new you know and then this place kind of does that a lot of artists have come and go and i, I tell people honestly when they come like because the only thing i know for sure as long as i own a business you're going to come here, you're going to make work, it's going to be great. But good, bad, or indifferent, you're going to leave before I do. So while you're here, get after it because it's a limited amount of time. However, it might be four years, it might be six years, it might be six months, it might be six days. Um, but that's the litmus test. You know, it's because eventually you either got to level up out of here or help this place level up or unfortunately for the most part people can buckle because they brush up against real life they gotta pay the bills they gotta get a a side hustle and it and it, it might not be you know it's not gonna work or they they missed a mark or whatever it is it's usually not uh it's not the tragedy doesn't happen like a car crash it happens like a slow running out of gas yeah. you know kind of like just puttering along and then you realize oh i should have changed the tires i should have checked the oil i should have did all these things but in reality especially in the art world you had plenty of opportunity to do all those things and then some you should have got a new car with better wheels and you know new canvases and higher you know and uh, and what's cool is that, like since we've set this kind of ball in motion where it's like again it's not about me but it's more about the culture and the fabric we've built here it's like it's kind of like almost like an ai of of culture it's just like whipping around and it doesn't matter like where you're walking or what studio you go into like either you feel that like oh somebody's getting after it and then it could like spark a whole little chain of like people grinding you know like and, and here the weather has a lot to do with it we're in a cold season now in california Southern California, to be exact, and a lot of you people listening to this are going to be mad, including <laughs> people back home that, you know, from Missouri, where I'm from, like, uh, and I, I, I reference that because I know from being there, bitter cold is, like, brutal, where you, like, you just, you know, you might as well just jump in a lake and forget about it. It's yeah. over. It's over. It's all over. Well, that, like, that, that's the so little cold. bit of street cred I have in that, right, which yeah. my five years spent in Ohio. Yeah. But, it's uh, so cold, but like... But, but, but this is also, like you said, it's a warehouse. Yeah. You know, so this shit is totally uninsulated. <laughs> you know, when it gets cold outside, it gets cold inside. So, yeah, the, the <laughs> relative... different in here. Yeah, and if you just bear with us, the relative cold is like kind of at least kind of like spiritually it's kind of relative like it might not be 20 degrees or zero or minus or whatever but it's cold enough to like shut down the processes of those moments where everything's sparking you know because but then like it's short-lived it's two months yeah you do and then it turns and then and there's like the little grinding moments and, and right now we're doing you know that's a good time to do upgrades you know clean stuff up um shed excess purge you know, d cross off a couple projects that take you to the new, the new year. I hate when stuff drags from one year to the next. Like that's when you're just not going to do it. Like this year, I'm going to put up a basketball hoop or whatever it might be, and then like four years go by and you still don't have a basketball hoop. It's just stop saying. It's like, well, I guess you don't love basketball. That yeah, much. it's just like stop saying or do it right now. Like you know what? Drop every other project and do that. And so like in the winter time, that's how I get down. It helps break like a winter depression. It's like you know what? 
fuck that. Go do something. And then, in fact, do some old shit that you've been dying to do. The most mundane, like, this storage shelf sucks. Fuck it. I'm painting it. I'm, I'm ripping it out. It's going in the alleyway. And then we're going to paint right here. And it's a little fresh spot. And that sounds like a, like a basic thing. But it, it, if you do a couple of those, and you got a whole new space. And then it, 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 it becomes contagious. And then you're set up for when uh, weather changes a hair. Like, it's going to be late February here. Gets a little warmer. It's not so cold at night, and then all of a sudden, everybody's in the studio, and people are making new work. Some people leave. Some people come in. New energy, and then it's like uh, this. It can't be stopped, and then that's when we have the art show where people come in. Like, what is this place? And they feed off that energy. But it's like this behind the scenes. It was a roller coaster in those last couple months. You know, it's like. We just got to keep it on the tracks, you know? And yeah, some, it's, like, it's like filmmaking. There's a final product, but, yo, you didn't see the cutting room floor. Yeah, cutting room floor. you didn't see what the production was like. The cutting room floor sucks. Yeah, we were, <laughs> we were tell stories. over budget and under budget and blown out and chewed up and spit out. And next thing you know, the place never looked as good as it ever has. Yeah. yeah let's go. Well, like we, we had, uh, you know, my, my experience here, I had the, this crazy kind of fortune, fortune, where... I came in in June 2020, so it was just a couple months after the initial business shutdowns for COVID happened, and like right when kind of the new normal was established, I'm like, okay, all shout out to COVID. <laughs> like all, all my uh, my way of doing things kind of settled into their new normal, and I was like, okay, what do I want to do? And that's when I ended up getting this place. And you had a whole bunch of people uh, leave, and then you gained a few. At right about that same time, so not not the whole place by any means, yeah. But like a significant slice of the pie, sure. Of this whole place changed all at one time. Also, right when we were establishing our new selves in the early COVID days, yeah. And you know the bars were closed. The the all your your traditional joints where you would make friends as an adult of any kind, right, were closed all these service businesses and and of course people were just like not meeting people in general even on the beach or the grocery store or whatever you know yeah and then we gelled so hard in here and we didn't even have to announce it it became a known thing that it's like yo what are you going to be doing fridays at five or six p.m and then and until you go to bed you're going to be here and the whole ass crew from here just like all settled into that same groove without even attempting to. It just happened. Yeah, it's and it safe formed spot. this incredible. Yeah, it formed this incredible community. I mean, we used to do a thing, uh, at, which I think we ought to be restarting here. But you know, we had fuck it, finish it Fridays. Yeah, and it was yo every Friday. Your workday ends, your whatever, get on down here. And I don't care what it is, whether it's your latest piece that you've been working on for four months or whether it's putting up a new shelf or whether it's some little, you know, getting your website in order. It was like, not just work on something, but finalize, finish, accomplish something yeah. every Friday. And we were here, like we were popping bottles of wine, but we were getting work done. Which is uh, preceded by and continuously uh, paralleled by Friday Night Constructions. Oh, yeah. That's it, a whole other and, story. And FNC, Friday Night Construction, there's a hashtag for sure. Um, 
because of Friday Night Construction is the reason we're sitting in this room and it's constructed in a way, including both these lofts and all both doors, um, because we did the same thing. And back in the day, this is like, we kind of had our own kind of COVID. Like, that's why I said shout out to COVID because I'm Mr. Brightside. Like, of course, the worldwide pandemic where people die is not good. It's not cool. But it's like that happened. It's going to happen again or whatever. It might have happened a hundred times before people ever were people. But my point is, I got to look at the bright side because why dwell on the fucked up part? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Saying, but the bright side was it did, it did, it re kind of in a time where I thought I could lose my actual business. Like I thought, well, I was like, well, what if everybody just can't make art because like it can't work, so they can't pay for their art space. They can't, they don't want to make art because we're all gonna die tomorrow. And like ah, like whatever. And I was like, oh shit. And just as quick as I thought, like you know, I had already had trials and tribulations well before COVID, as far as a business owner or whatever, being an entrepreneur. Like when you when you get your feet to the fire as an entrepreneur, like it feels good. You're like, oh, it's nice and cozy in here. You know, like. It's like walking That's why on coals. I do the work. You're like, yeah. It's like this is this is the part where like uh, I'm not gonna buckle because you know it's just only gonna make you harder. So when COVID came and and the business didn't collapse on what you said, it was it was actually a shining moment. Where it was like not only did we not collapse, we like gelled harder. The community was stronger. We had a safe spot, and and at that point, a lot of people didn't have to come or go because like if you had a spot where you could go work safely and not be around a big crowd like that was highly coveted little did we know that's exactly what we have like, <laughs> so i was like all right sweet like um if these are the rules i guess we benefit and, you know like cool but um the friday night construction was similar to that when we first came here brett and i were like all right we got this whole warehouse it's pretty fucked up but it's structurally sound but there's like all this old scabbed on kind of lame shit. And it's like, we don't have, it doesn't have anything to do with us. At one point, maybe it was great for whatever reason, but what we can do is just adhere to the fact that on Friday nights, Friday night construction, which should have been labeled Friday night demo, at least for like, <laughs> at least for about two years. Um, we demoed stuff or we, we put our tool belts on instead of going to the bar, which we, which we had done the previous, like probably six or seven years even, you know, before I got to this warehouse. Yeah, like yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, it's just like, you know what, like we're on this treadmill life where it's like, again, like things are too good where you're not like challenged and it's like, it's one of the things where like sometimes it's a physical space. Like, like when I was a trainer, I used to tell people like, you know what, let's get out of the gym and just walk to the beach. Like, we'll do a workout down there. Like, just to shake it up. Like, it's so potent. Like, if you're stuck at your computer every day, like go somewhere else, do something else. And like, Ironically enough, here, this place was big enough to where it's like, we didn't have to go anywhere else. We could just walk 40 feet and be like, here's another fucked up project. Let's do this right now. (laughs) And we could spend less money at Home Depot than we would at a normal night at a bar and get five times as much done. You know, and that's when I got real familiar. I wasn't no stranger to like working with tools. And I've done, before I left Missouri, I had done multiple manual laborers, you know, paving streets, cutting grass. I worked at an auto factory like my mom. I, I was no stranger to hard work or gnarly work, but it was different this time. This time it was like specifically to craft our environment. And, and nobody was telling us we could or couldn't do it. It was like, what do you want to do? It was like, a, it wasn't a blank slate. We had a, 
work to get to the blank slate. <laughs> but while we were doing that, it kind of helped shape the vision. And it was one of those things where it was like, we kind of like put ourselves on quarantine just out of sheer like brokenness and like, and like uh, proximity and like a uh, dimension. Like we had so much space and like, we had all the time in the world would it seemed like at the time, but it all boiled down to those Friday night constructions, which then I guess graduated at some point to f- fucking finish it Friday. Same kind of concept. I do like the finality. And a lot of times when we did Friday night construction, like the jobs were like going to be done like that weekend or whatever, but we had to break bread on Friday night. You know, you go to the depot, you get the 36 rack of Bud Lights and whatever necessary supplies you need have a safety meeting and get after it, you know, put on the hard hat. We built a tool shed, you know, and, uh, actually made a painting and I still have, I think I want to ship to Brett. Um, it's one of the first, it's gotta be one of the first pieces I made here. We should do this as our first guest. Uh, Is it that one with the skill saw and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a still life of tools we used that mostly were handed down, People felt really sorry for us. Like we had some friends who were like, you know, at the time, like fledgling, affluent, and they were just like, "Yo, what are you guys doing?" And we're like, "We're just gonna rehab this whole old warehouse that we don't own." And, and like, you know, like, why would you do that? And it's like, well, why not? You know, it's like, you know, like certain times in life, you're never gonna get back. You're not getting back to time. But mm. like, uh, every time we would craft a space or whatever, like this many years later it's all so worth it like hundredfold millionfold just to be sitting here and being able to do a podcast which didn't exist when we started when we started in 1980 a few things that didn't exist i think i think facebook barely existed but there was definitely a transition between like myspace and facebook uh, i didn't have an iphone and when we first came here i'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. We, we both had flip phones um there was no instagram for sure we still we had DVD players. We had a rotating DVD collection of like um, Big Lebowski, Pulp Fiction, Fight Club, <laughs> the, all the essentials. Pretty solid. <laughs> We're never mad about it. A couple other things I can't think of. And um, yeah, there was no. Um, I don't even think they had gift cards yet, man. It was like it was rough, bro. But it was kind of cool. It was like just kept it simple. But I mean, uh, then you seeing all this. Uh, evolution where it's just like it makes me embrace it you know As, especially having to do this long format like you know you gotta kind of flesh it out the experience and then then you realize like oh there's a lot of, exp- a, lot of a lot of experience <laughs> yeah. well and you said to me one time and then i've repeated it like dozens of times to dozens of different people right because i think this it's it's a common phrase but then it concretizes it, the truth of the matter so much right is that you're literal blood sweat and tears are in the walls of this place like the, those all three of those fluids are literally in the walls of this joint yeah amen to that i mean no doubt not just mine but uh definitely brett and uh you know, there's times where he and i were just shoulder to shoulder two guys in a warehouse i mean we almost called our llc that like two, <laughs> two fuckers in a warehouse like um, and, you know, in fact, speaking of Facebook, it popped up recently. Um, and, uh, you know, people hate on social media and stuff like that. But, like, I'm getting old enough now where I, I don't know. I guess I've always lived in the moment pretty thoroughly you know, spiritually. Like, I've really adhered to it. So my memory kind of slips. Like, 
I guess if you're if you if you're truly in a moment, a lot of times you have to like sacrifice some some space either in front of you, or behind you. Like yo, you, you know, don't the get be- it all. The best conversations I've ever had. I can't remember really what we talked about much. I remembered how we went into them, but it meant and then how we got out. And I remember the way I felt during it. But like, if you asked me to rewrite a movie scene of that conversation, could not do it at it, all. Exactly right. And it's so like the my point there is just like us being together like doing that and then like getting to a point now where everything's just like fully expanded like you know it's like well it didn't start without only just doing that you know just like one step at a time one thing at a time that that might need to become a new ringtone and we're back uh in summary we talked a little bit about how we got started in 1980 which would for sure go in more in depth uh how you got started in 1980 um what we what we should clear out clear up is what what is location 1980 currently yeah um some of the things that has been are neither here nor there but now we're in the present we've made it through covid we got signs on the front of the building we are absolutely no longer underground we're (laughs) overground if we're going to call ourselves the world famous location 1980 one of California's most prestigious kind of ghetto in a good way, I guess. Um, or like, I, I, it's like a best kept secret. I have an affinity, yeah. Diamond in the rough. When I say ghetto, I mean it, it's like it means this salt of the earth. Yeah, it's this, like this is a Saint Louis man saying this. Yeah, phrase, it's, you know? it's it's something that's like uh, I'm proud of. Like, so we're not. We yeah, we're not store bought. We're there's a genuine we're built yeah american built you know and internationally grown kind of a thing um what I, what I, my point is we are one of southern california's finest art communities and it's all organically grown the fact that we didn't even start with that in mind helps because it's like caught us off guard like oh like oh this is happening like kind of like you can't start off like let's have one of the coolest art collectives in Southern California. Like, it, I think that would be a death nail if you just were like, let's jump off the bridge of the LLC. That's, yeah, that's, ki- that's that. kind of doing the like, <laughs> you know, there's like the, the, what do they call it? The be, do, have, right? A lot of people, they want to have cool shit yeah. so that that will enable them to do the cool shit they want to do so that they can be the cool person they want to be. Right. And that's the end goal. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. You got to say right now in the moment, I'm going to be the cool ass person I want to be. And what's that cool person do? Well, they do that stuff and you start doing it. And next thing you know, you have the cool shit you wanted. That's the last step. That's a consequence of your doing. Yeah. That's a, that might be a snoopism. I think somewhere in Snoop. If you don't follow Snoop, shout out to Snoop. Um, if you don't follow Snoop's Instagram, you're tripping because <laughs> he has some hilarious shit. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd say. It's one of a kind. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, he'll have his inspirational quotes or something. But the hustle, it, it, to your point, like, it's like you got to do what you're going to be. You got to be what you're going to do. And then, and then you get the accolades or whatever it is. And I'm not even here for accolades. It's, we're getting them now. It's, it just, it just all, always opens a bigger format for more people to come up. So f- for me to chop wood and carry water, what that means now at location 1980 is at the beginning of the, or at the 
right before the end of last year, we assumed the rest of the building space. So we had one last neighbor at the building. They moved out. We got their spot, which gave us the storefront, which we've never had. Yeah, the street front. In 13 years. So that's why a lot of times when people say, I drove by a million times, I didn't know this place existed. It's because we didn't have a sign on the front of the building because we didn't have that front unit it would be a misnomer kind of that, a thing. That was the tip, and we had the bulk of the iceberg. Yeah. And now we got that tip, too. Now we got the tip, and we put a nice bell and whistle on it, uh, including your uh, handy design work for the uh, neon signage, which is just the beginning. Uh, shout out to my buddy Chuck, who did also the traditional signage, hand-painted. So now there's a 20-foot uh, location, 1980, art gallery and studios painted on the front of the building with lights and neon lights. Um, so w- what we are currently is a art gallery plus studios, and the studios can change, but there's 15 independent art spaces that are all tied together. I think it's 15. It changes, and some of the stuff has rolling walls and moving doors and <laughs> sliders and stuff. So yeah. And that's how alive the space is, is even that number of people that we can uh, habitate here as, as working artists has changed. Yeah. It changed, you know, the, the, the capacity for resident artists. Also, we just did our, um, our annual holiday show, which we had, uh, you know, 20 other guest artists. So we've, we've been a master of using our indoor outdoor spaces. And currently we, we're uh, reconstructing one of one of those thirty-two foot of spaces um, because of the weather. We've taken advantage of our indoor outdoor space, where a lot of times it would just be a garden or a parking lot or whatever. But in this case, we have very lively studio spaces. Um, so we have, and we got plants all over the place. We yeah, got plants on wheels. Like. Yeah, one of our design philosophies back in the days: if you couldn't comfortably pick it up by yourself, it needs to be on wheels. Because we're going to move stuff all the time. Like everything on the property. Yeah, couches, uh, the bar, whatever. It has to be on wheels because the space always changes. And that's another compliment. Now that people have been here and they've come back, one of the things they always say now, which is great, is every time I come here, this place is always changing. And that is not a happy accident. That's by design because personally, myself... I grew up in a really small space and I realized right away, the only thing that you might have is a way to rearrange it. And just by doing that, you could change the space. Might not be much, same dresser, same same room, but you move the dresser over there. It's like now you walk in, it's a little bit different. I learned that as a kid where it's like, oh man, you rearrange the bunk beds. It's like you moved into a three-story townhome, but you really didn't. But then when you do, you have a better understanding of how much space you have. And when you have a big warehouse like this, I could teach a class on space management for sure. And not just people working in spaces and having ergonomics, but also in like a flow of people. But then like when a you functional design, yeah. When you entertain, like, how is it going to work? And now I don't even like people rent the space and they're like, I want to do a private event where, Bra bra bra, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, oh, that's great, but let me tell you how it's gonna work. Like I've we done can, fifty events. Yeah, here. yeah, I know exactly what works and doesn't. Yeah, and and that's cool. And I, I wouldn't want to cramp anybody's style, but I just give them again those loose guardrails. We're like, well, actually, this is kind of what's gonna happen a little bit, but we can funnel it different. We can color it different. We can stop it here and here, but um, and so the space is now all these independent 
spots but because we can't expand anymore to my point uh we reached the border of the street frontage and the alleyway so there's nowhere else to go uh but all the spaces can be refined they can be upgraded they can be changed um nuanced um it, we could put more lights with speakers and <laughs> bluetooth in them <laughs> Or get away from that or build their own stuff, you know, new furniture, new designs. Uh, I still covet empty space because it it breeds creativity. Um, but at the same time, the gardens, like last year, is easily my worst gardening year and maybe my whole life, like as mm. far as my California life. So this year, I'm going to step up my garden game, planters on wheels, stuff like that. Um, but it's just one of those growing periods where we expand it. Right before the end of the year, which is, I think, kind of an awkward time. It depends on how you look like. We already do so much holiday stuff. Yeah. As it is on a normal And it was like, oh, throw this, you know, extra 2,000 square feet in your in your lap and work with that on top of your holiday cramp, you know, or blow up. And then, and then the new calendar comes in and it's just like, oh, so January is full, boom, uh, not only do we have the ongoing art exhibitions and 15 art studio spaces that are always being upgraded, changed out, but then on top of that, we do uh, workshops and classes with, uh, and the figure drawing uh, will, would be referred to as life drawing or figure drawing workshop, uninstructed, there's no teacher, but it's been a staple of our um of our community from the very beginning. And so, and you've even produced a book about that several. Yeah. Shout out to, um, meetup.com, which meetup is a great resource. If you move anywhere or if you're visiting a different city and you want to find a hiking club or open mic or, uh, art workshop, you just go on meetup, you search, you know, what you're looking for in that vicinity. And I guarantee you something cool is going to pop up. Cool stuff to do other than going to the bar. Yeah. (laughs) Not just that or going to the local museum or whatever. You can find like-minded individuals. And I'm here to attest that some of those meetup uh, affiliates and people are still here 13 years later now, 14 years later coming to that same workshop. In the meantime, we've had another thousand artists come and go. I'm just here for the weekend from New York. I wanted to draw while I'm in town. Boom. You come in. So we do uh, figure drawing workshops. We're going to, we're about to get into uh, some ceramist. Um, so we have a new kiln. We have a couple wheels. Um, we're going to get into art education with um, adult one-on-one. So like uh, what I found is a, uh, uh, my friend Scotty calls me um he he's he got a big kick out of this he's like you're an entrepreneur but you're an artist he's like i think we'll call you an artistapreneur <laughs> so i'm giving full credit to scott because scott uh um he came up with that but i think i'm an artistapreneur like he said but um one of the things you got to do is just keep finding out what's next or whatever like what's happening and what could what could be here so you leave the schedule kind of open like uh what class would you want to take here? You know, what, what, um, what workshop would you want to teach here? Um, and a lot of the people that are older, like, so I'm 47. So I'm kind of like right in the middle, I guess I would say like there's people here to say there's artists that are 
37, but also 57, 67, 77, 87, right? And then what I found is a lot of older people have retired now, but people are in better health, they're better wealth, and they're bored AF. And <laughs> I've I've seen um, dozens of older people who were at one point artistically inclined, but society chews it up. You got to get a real job. But then they did that real job. Now they're retired. And they're like, well, I'm just bored. I want to do art. I've seen legions of people like find that niche and like go back into art because now they're retired or people that are like, I never was an artist ever, but fuck it. I'm going for it. And then I've seen those people too, but it's just like this whole, you know, the boomer generation where you're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of boomers are like, gonna be around for another 20 years they want something to do but art is like you know especially if it's not it's kind of better like if you find art later because the expectation is not there people are like you know if you're going into art into art school you you're kind of like an athlete you you were the best artist like i ran into this when i was in art like i i actually was i was an athlete that became an artist but i didn't i never thought i could be the best it it either won. I knew I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. So when I found art, I was like, well, at least I could be the best version of me. And with creativity, you can't like win or lose a contest. I mean, you could get first place and win a prize and be a published or something. But the real winner is, did you do it? Yeah. Did Number you one. do your thing? Yeah. That's like different novel, like better than anybody else. Then you just, nobody else can do you. Yeah. And then you just won the whole contest. And, and so for me, like, I approach it as like a bit of a competitiveness, but it was already post like high school, middle college. Whereas I can imagine if, if you're an accomplished professional for, let's say, (coughs) excuse me, 25, 30 years. And then now you're, you want to come to this art workshop or art class, like a mommy and me or art and wine night. <clears throat> and you have fun and you find that like, you know, actually it wasn't that hard. You can paint a stick figure. Shout out to people who say they can't paint a stick figure. I'll argue with you to the day you die. <laughs> Everybody can paint a stick figure. You just haven't been shown properly. But when you're past the point of giving a fuck what you can and can't do, and then you find art, it, it becomes so easy to just try whatever you got a budget. You can go to the art store you know, buy some supplies and you're going to a workshop where you're not getting a B. You're not getting an A or F. Yeah. You're not getting anything. You're just, you're just getting you're what just, you put into it. Yeah, you're getting your drawings at the end of it. <laughs> and what I found is that that is a, a, a great wealth. It's an untapped um, commodity in America and probably, you know, internationally where it's like, I believe firmly that everybody is creative. It's in our human nature. I don't know if it's just capitalism or society or modern society, but it beats you out of beats it out of you. Like from the systematic shutting down of any kind of creative musical classes, and uh, you know we don't have the budget, but you have to learn physics, which is great but worthless for most people. How many or whatever. Are going to use that? Yeah, yeah. And this is a physics major saying that. Yeah. You know, how many of you out there are going to use that day to day? Right, but I would say I always call it the island experiment. Like, um. If you're on an island, like, you know, the the military guy or, like, the tough guy or, like, the, the um, 
you know, the alpha male is like, you know, you would think, or you're on an island, everybody's got to survive. People automatically gravitate like a survivor or whatever. Like, oh, the biggest, tallest, most handsome guy. Like, that shit really doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like, there's only so many of us and we only have so many resources. So my island theory is that actually the creatives are going to be the ones that went out or at least like start leading the tribe. But it would only be to lead other people to show them that they're also too creative. You know, when you, when you have n- nothing but your local resources, you get creative real quick. You know, whereas in today's society, it's like people would be like, oh, I don't, you know, I, I, I can't paint a stick figure or I can't do this or I can't do that. It's like, actually, you, you kind of can't. And you, you might be better at it than you think. You just got to do it, you know. And it's like, I like the fact when you're a little bit older, you don't care anymore. You're like, fuck yeah. it, you know. Like, back in the day, you'd be like, oh, somebody watching. Now people are like, whatever. Like, let's just go for it. So the, that's part of 1980s fabric. That's what I'm saying. We got, we got art gallery space. We have a space where you can rent for your product sales or uh, ventures or private um, functions in the art gallery space. We have studio space. We have classes and stuff like that. But overall, we're just invited. We're opening. The, we're having an environment where you come and being creative is. Yeah, you're opening the creative portal. Yeah, it's a first, second, and people. First, second, and third thing. You know, it's just like even when we're really like stokes me out is like when people come and they say they they'll be like try to find me after an art show there might be a hundred people over here and i talk to everybody and i'm in the corner like trying to talk about a piece or you know whatever and somebody will stop the conversation excuse me hey i just wanted to say um i'm glad i came here this place has been truly inspirational like i'm inspired now i want to it ends like they mean it, you know. Like I know it's like that's like that's like better than uh, gold, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that that keeps the lifeblood going, you know. So that that that's what we are in a nutshell. We're just a open environment where where if you're a fan of creatives and you know, like yeah, everybody can be a creative, but other people are, you know, they do what they do, but they support the arts. You know, this place is founded for sure to this day on people that are willing to support the arts, like buy artwork just come to a show sometimes supporting art doesn't mean like you're you're coming to buy the most expensive piece or any piece it means you're gonna you're gonna show up and and give a good critique you know have a glass of wine hang out for a while you know tell me about your life or whatever but just be in the environment and like participate yeah and participate and it's like oh you know it's like at that show, we had every walk of local life here, you know, like people come, you know, uh, uh, every color, every age, every disability, every gender, everybody's welcome, you know. In 1980, we've had artists that are from Germany, Korea, China, Switzerland, uh, Brazil, Multiple South Americans, mul- multiple Latin countries, um, Canada, and I'm probably forgetting a few. So we got a guy from France doing a show in like two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, Af- uh, yeah, French African, yeah. So, um, so th- that's just the the kind of fabric that we're trying to paint here. You know, it's like either you do an art show here or performance, 
or you perform at a show or you do a private function either way the space is like very creative it's like what, what would you make of it yeah it's alive yep. it's malleable brett used to say hey um because everybody used to get to now they they still to this day and now that you've been here for a while you you tell me if you've heard this before people get the case of the you should have like you you guys should do this you should do that I'm like, we should do a lot of shit. You're right. <laughs> I wish we could do, uh, you know, a trampoline park or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> but Bray used to say, well, you're right. Uh, we should do we that. We should do that. But, but what would you want to do? And they're like, oh, I'd like to do a tea party. They're like, oh, you want to do tea party? You know, high level, like, color it up for me. How would you do the tea party? And like, oh, I would do this and this and this. Like, all right, tell me more. And then they really crystallized it. You could see them because they're in a creative environment with no, no real like harsh judgment and then and it's funny because he used to always say he's like i'm not an artist but like actually like what you're doing that's that's like cultural art right there you're getting this person to open up and as soon as they would have that visualization they'd be like i want to do a high-end tea party where everybody's dressed up and it's going to be this and it's going to be that and he'd be like do you think 20 other people would come to that and he's like yeah he's like boom you got to show pick a date on the calendar let's go like, oh, now, now you don't. And that's really do. that's really yeah. all it takes. The, yeah. You know, is, is is people have got that energy within oh. them, and and they are creative. And it may not be, you know, like okay, there's a painting, there's you know, the, there's art pieces all around us on the wall here. But like that is one narrow definition of art. Oh, for sure. You know, and I'm I'm, I'm an engineer, right? Yeah. And I'm obviously here. I'm an artist, and I think when I say that everybody is an engineer. Because I've always felt that, right? Because people don't do dumb shit repeatedly, generally. <laughs> but, like, people that are doing shit that's difficult over and over, they invent ways to do it better. You know, the dishwasher was invented by a housewife out of parts that were in the backyard. Cotton gin. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And history is full of this, right? And those people were not uh, by, uh, by industry called engineers but they engineered shit and yeah. that is an act of creativity just like art is and i, I you know i consider the the cutting edge engineers right that is art is itself we are all inventors we are all creators and maybe that's what i mean more when i talk about engineering is like an inventor yeah absolutely yeah you know find your way out of it you know be efficient you, you know, know and, and you can you can there's so many things you can uh you can paint with other than paint yeah. You know, and like you talk about the party planning, you know, they're painting with organization, with people, with space, with emotion. With experience. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, what do you want to have, you know? Like, uh, you know, it's like turn it back to little kids, you know? Like, I see the aha moment. I had never taught. Like, I I taught personal training, or I guess you could teach personal training. I didn't teach. Uh, I have taught people how to be a personal trainer, but I, I taught um, when I was a personal trainer, I taught my clients uh life lessons like that like you know like um if you're going to be all the way fit or fitness lifestyle you have to change certain things you just have you just have to mindset so, attitude yeah things. yeah and fundamental just, things you're just you know you're shifting you're changing their perspective you know a little bit and then that's sometimes all it takes and then you you see the aha moment like sometimes physically people have to take off 10 pounds but they might not have ever lifted a dumbbell in their life. But then you see the aha moment where they're like, actually, it took six months or a year. But like now I know 40 exercises that I could do comfortably 
without a trainer, because I, I tell people, like, I'm going to train you for a while, but it's not going to be forever. But when I'm done, I want you to be empowered to do this confidently. And even maybe teach somebody else, a new boyfriend, a new husband, or, like, or your kid, you know, like, you know, and and it worked. And it was, it was it was something where I saw that aha moment. It's like the light bulb, light bulb moment. But I never saw it in art. I had it myself. Like when I did landscape class. Now, now you know, I guess you guys could Google us. If you Google Jesse Fortune, I think I'm still number two. There was an old blues musician, old black dude from Chicago, I believe. He was also Jesse Fortune. And he's been holding me off as number one Google do, search. Do you like his music? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so everybody search Jesse Fortune. Yeah. Click, click that first link and play it. And then in the second tab, click the second link. But I might and be look first. look at some of his art. Yeah, I might be first. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Um, we'll, we'll have to hang a piece here next time we're doing a, a talk. Yeah, for sure. Something that people can see anyhow. Though, yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is, that, but also, I had never, um, I never taught um, outside of personal training, I never taught art. You know, I did art, but I never taught art. And I was like, how do you teach it? And then I remember we had a kind of a, like, I don't know, a business partner, I guess. Um, she was like, well, I did this in Atlanta and I wanted to do this art and wine thing. And, and back in the day, now it's like franchise and you could do it. Everybody's done it. Everybody's listened to this has probably been to an art and wine something or other. I hope you have. And if you haven't, you should go. Um, but I had never done it. She was like, well, look, we can get X, Y, Z amount of people for like 30 bucks. And I was like, God, that's a, I'm always thinking about rent. Like, all right, that's in one night. That's like a, you know, an eighth of rent. Like you have to do that. And it's like, whatever. It's like, it's a new challenge. It was like, all right. So I like the logistics. So like Brett built the easels and I was like, here, we'll, we'll line the tables up like this. I'll be on the stage over here. And I got to think of the lesson plan. Like what could I actually teach people that, aren't even artists in a certain specific amount of time. And I thought of the lesson and I did it. And in the very first um, episode or uh, workshop or class or whatever it is, I looked out and I made a joke or I made a statement and I saw all these, like it was like a movie. Like my imagination is pretty crystal clear now at this point. Like, when I visualize things, I see the light bulbs pop up above people's heads. Like for me, it's like very like video game. It's like bling, bling. Like uh, what was that movie called with the guy? Uh, was it was that Ryan Reynolds? A free guy. Free guy. It was just like free guy where he put the glasses on. That's how I do almost a uh, daily basis. So I was on stage, and I did something, and people I saw go ah. And it was like, bloop, bloop, all these light bulbs, bling, 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 bling. And I was like, oh, that's fucking, that's why I'm doing this. It wasn't for the 300 bucks. It was for the aha moment. Yeah. And then afterwards, they're like, <coughs> they would come back to like another one later on. They're like, dude, that last painting, I had that in my office every day. It just reminds me like, you know, like I do this for a living, but like that was fun. And, and like, that is like the crux of like 1980, like whether I teach it to you or you get inspired from being here or you buy a piece of art or you make a piece of art or you just come and support the local artists. That, that's what this place is all about, you know? Well, and uh, for, for what it's worth, when I, when I first sent the email to see if there was space here and I was thinking I'm going to wait a couple months, 
I'm thinking, okay, I've got a lot of things I've sketched, but I don't really have any finished work. I'll take a couple months. Maybe I can bust some stuff out at home. And then by the time a spot opens up, that'll be something to show you as portfolio. But but you're like, yo, you want to come down at the end of the week, check it out. And then I'm like, fuck, man, what do I send for portfolio? And one of the things that I sent, because it's the only thing that was actually a, a piece and not part of my sketchbook, was something I did at Wine and Paint <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> earlier that year. And that helps get me in here. That's great, dude. But uh, speaking of that, so um, oh the the one uh, it's yeah. it's over it's right next to the couch there. So this is a perfect example of of how our, it, well, our yeah, cameras that way. But, so yeah. this is our our the web that we have woven here. This is Jackie Danger's. This is so Eric, she's one of the artists that's here also. Yeah. So this is Eric's painting, but Jackie taught. She was like, oh, well, I teach those too. I'm like, all right, great. I have 30 easels, aprons, tables. You should do it here. So she's like, all right. And I had never seen her um, uh, teach, teaching method it. or whatever. And then she was like, I'm going to teach them. Just seeing, I'm a huge shout out to Cheech Chong fans. I'm a huge. So, so we did this on 420. So it's yeah, a scene from Cheech and Chong. Yeah, but she was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, we're going to do Cheech and Chong when they're like stuck and they're not driving. And I was like, so you're going to have, your class is going to be, teaching people to paint Cheech and Chong and I was like yo okay and then I was like damn because I've taught 50 of these classes and I would never even even do something that has human figures there's no way yeah perspective through glass uh uh and she pulled it and I was like right on Jackie Danger um and then look at the painting yeah it's great it's awesome yeah she killed it yeah so that's kind of where we're at now and then um Looking towards the future, um, you mentioned uh, when you came in, there was a, a a strong influx, outflux of energy. Yeah, like a large shift was all happening at once, you know, that I was part of. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you guys full speed to like what we're doing right now. It's uh, January 2023, inaugural Location 1980 podcast. Shout out to our producer, Brando, over here. Um, he's helping us with this. Um. Where's I going? The future. Yeah. The now. Yeah. Well, the now. So the fluctuation with, um, with the people moving. So not only were the holidays hectic and then we expanded with the new studio. This is what happened. Luke and Lauren, who've had an art studio here for the last three and a half, four years. They're moving to Australia. Then Scott, who's in Colorado is coming to kick it with us. But he was here originally 13 years ago and we went to art school together. So he's coming he's in. He's super OG. Yeah. So that's three people. And then Mary left for a person. She's going to San Francisco. And then she, her spot's getting replaced. Um, so Michelle just took off. Well, yeah, let me get there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Mary enough. And then new Natasha, which is Natasha number three. She's taking Mary's spot. Oh, so sick. Not, Tosh yeah. Vision. No, uh, third Tosh. Oh, third Tosh. Yeah, yeah, you don't even know, right? Uh, <laughs> third Tosh. So that's uh, now we're up to five people. Uh, Michelle left four people. Um, when Ryan left his studio to go to Amy's studio, who went into the new studio, um, Mika came and took his spot. And then I he, met her the other day. Yeah. And then he's going outside. So now we're up to nine people. We don't have anybody from Michelle's studio. And uh, in between Denise and Ryan's new studio, there's a, there's a, a brand new studio. 
So yeah, okay, right, because with the construction, we built a whole new spot. Yeah, this is brand new. Yeah, so there was a you know chair storage and broom closet. Now it's a new studio. So basically, by the end of the month, it would have be ten people either come and go in the last thirty days, which is easily the most fluctuation we've ever had in that kind of time period ever. And because it has a lot to do to with the new uh studio space so we have more now we have no more spaces more spots more movement or whatever but there's very significant changes in the future and uh just to give you guys an example of how the calendar works in the next month we're going to have like six figure drawing workshops we're going to have uh martial yapao french african born artist he's going to do his exhibition on january 21st we're gonna have Luke and Lauren's uh, last Final hurrah party. Yeah, yeah. The following week, the yeah. Saturday. So yeah, last 28th. hurrah. We're gonna bid them a, a farewell. Um, not that they're gone forever, but it's a catch you later, mate. <laughs> catch your later, mate. Catch you later, mate. Yeah. Um, so it's them, uh, and then it goes right into uh, our next big one which is our second annual which i'm very proud of we're doing a um local two district it's called the mesa newport high school district we did it last year because of covid these poor high school kids that are going to be artists or they want to be artists or arts good i didn't do art when i was in high school i was i was a jock but i, I could imagine if you were an artist in high school, like high school's hard enough, regardless of what you're doing, but also being an artist, like here's my piece, like oh it sucks, you're a loser. Like <laughs> I could just see how you like maybe not do art in high school or whatever, because yeah, but these kids are really good. And so last year a teacher came, she came to our Christmas show, which is all COVID. We had to do it all outside, and she hit me up. She's like, I'm a local art school, high school teacher these kids haven't got to do their senior show in two years because of COVID. Can we please do it at 1980? And I was like, no. And then she wouldn't take no for an answer because my first answer is always, first, second, and third answer is usually like, no, thank you, no, no, we can't do it. Sorry. And then that's a good hurdle, though, to put up because she was like, oh, I don't see why you can't do it. You have the space and you're art friendly and you have art gallery and why wouldn't you do it? And I was like, ah, I just twist my arm. And she was like, then she told me about the kids not being able to do it and they don't have a place to present. And then I, I just folded like a cheap tent. I was like, <laughs> all right, great, let's do it. And then once I was on board, I'm like, let's do it right. And these shout out to the Newport Mesa high school art teachers. They did this outside of their job just to help these kids out. They came, they hung all the art. They labeled all the art, they did all the marketing, and then we had a killer show. And so now the the second annual Location 1980 presents all these killer high school art art school kids is gonna be in uh, late April. Late April. And right. so yeah, so we got uh Marty Alyapal, French African artist, late January and that January show twenty first. Yeah, that show will hang for a while and then um and then we'll integrate into the you know, we'll have a little bit of a gap month. And when we do have gap months, we have enough uh kind of local talent in the building that we usually hang 
all of our work. I'm just I was going to say, this is our most relaxed time of the year. Yeah. Between, like, Christmas and about Super Bowl or so. Then it's is go like time. our little kind of recharge amongst ourselves period because then it's guns blazing yeah before you know it so we go to the high school show and then the summer shows we might do a salty brushes too where we have local surf artists come in we kind of try to time that with the u.s open um but we're always open to uh local exhibitions sometimes there's pop-up solo shows we have a new pop-up solo space so we rent we rent the the very front storefront unit just for a uh, one month uh, long exhibition. Yeah, and you're getting window frontage with that. So, like, that's a dope spot. Yeah. So, There's TV, you can have slideshow going on. A lot of options, a lot of cool stuff. And that's where we're at. And uh, we're also open for suggestions. We always do it to, like, you know, if you have a cool idea and you need space, that's what we have. You know, we have it going on. It's a bit more refined now. Deal <laughs> more, more every day, honestly. Yeah. More every day. And, uh, and I'm glad we got to start this because I think we're going to do a lot more of these and uh, share. Uh, it's a This is the digital version that could be shared with the, the whole world of what you would get if you walked onto the property. You know, if you walked onto the property, which we're also going to do, I think we'll ask Brando and uh, the homies at Dark Brothers, uh, Marcus and Enoch, if you guys can figure out a way that we could do like a 3D, a digital walkthrough. Or I can give you guys listening, me and Eric, uh, we can walk through and and give you guys a tour of what you would get as if you came to one of the art shows. Why not? You know, we got the cameras, we got we got the the mics, and we could just kind of instead of talking about, it, we could show everybody. Yeah, show them what's up. Yeah, yeah so. at least get a tiny little taste of it. Yeah, so that'll be our plans. Any uh, closing remarks for you, Eric? Yeah, you know, I think there's a there's one thing that I would that would be a good spot to close out with. There's that poster uh the printout thing that you've got in the main location 1982.0 uh, uh, well not that, that oh, no, that's okay. that's some pimp shit we'll talk about that in a way later time uh but it's it's in the gallery the main display gallery space and and i'm paraphrasing from memory here but it says something along the lines of when you buy a piece of art you're not just paying for the the panel the canvas and the paint that's on it and you're not even just paying for the hours that went into making that. There's a lifetime of experience and seeing other art and making other art and everything. Failures. Yeah, exactly. Fuck ups. Trash. Wasted material. Yeah. Heartbreaks. I mean, triumphs and tribulations. Everything. Mountains and valleys that went into why a person would even make that piece, let alone having the balls to the do the follow-through of making, actually fabricating that piece. And present it, frame it, hang it. Yeah, and take on the vulnerability of going like, yo, here's my internal shit. Here's my most truest, possibly darkest self, and possibly lightest self, you know, but whatever, my truest self. On the wall. That I'm willing to show to y'all. Yeah. I'm willing to go into the unknown of what I've seen and pull it into the known through the form of, you know, this painting, this sculpture, th- this neon, this this whatever it is. Song, yeah. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Like, that's what you're buying when you're buying a piece of art. Amen. For sure. Yeah, I like it. And, and even if you don't buy the art, you can at least tell the artist, like, hey, I like your stuff. It's like when you're watching YouTube, it's like, you know, you don't, maybe you don't... Just, subscribe to the channel but 
you could click like yeah. if you like it or even tell them something that like yeah hit you, you know there's comment sections are full for a reason like people like talking about shit they like so once we and do get a youtube the makers smash the notification button <laughs> Yeah, but, ring, ring that bell if you haven't already. But we do, we do appreciate, like, uh, like you're saying, like that, that is what you're buying, and and I like that poster. It's funny. It's from uh, Paca. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to DCV. Yeah. Um, I think it, it was, it was something that we kept around forever, and then the the, the actual poster was like used so many times it just got weathered. Yeah, Xerox. Yeah, the point was, it's like that's what you're buying. You're you know, you're buying all those things when you, when you get a piece of art and when you, especially when, you, when you're in a position to buy it from someone you can meet or someone that you, they're not too far away. You're not in like, this isn't Chelsea or like, you know, you're not in some far off gallery. Like a lot of people here, I mean, 1980, like I've been witness to both artists, their first piece either ex- exhibited i.e. the um, high school kids or a 68-year-old person who finally got the courage. Like, I've been doing this as a hobby for a while and they're going to they're gonna show it. So I've been witness to not only people showing their first works in public, but the uh, uh, art-loving patrons buying their first piece. Yeah. And if I could say anything, in 1980, that's, that's where we can get down. Like... Uh, you might buy your first piece here that was quite possibly someone's first piece that was ever made or presented or any uh, litany of measurables. But the fact that that goes on, all those levels that could happen here, you could buy your first piece, come to your first art show, meet your first artist without any trepidation. Like, you know, we're not too highfalutin. Um, we're welcoming. And at the same time, what, what, what encourages us to like, have a safe environment for people to show their work. Also at the same token, that's the same environment where somebody is like, maybe they never bought an original piece of artwork, but I've seen it happen here. Yeah. Dozens, if not hundreds of times. And I, and like, I've seen people start their art collection here. Well, right. Cause there's not only people that didn't realize they were artists. They like had admitted <laughs> it to themselves. There's people who don't realize they're art collectors. They yeah. think of some guy with a top hat and smoking cigars in a million dollars. And it's like, no, you, dude, you got a passion for this shit. You can be an art collector. Yeah. You've seen it happen. <laughs> and then also you want to, you want to get people on the come. Like, you know, uh, if you're gonna, if you're gonna ground play, floor, entrance. if you if you're gonna play the market, yeah, now's the time to buy. Like, come on in, dude. Like, you know, bank on artists you met at 1980 are on the come up, like for sure, because it's chop wood, carry water, walk fast, and carry something. Well, that that's kind of the, that's the perfect little segue right there, because we we obviously spent this episode talking a lot about the space, but, and there's, I mean, we could. You could do a whole show we are. just about stories on the space. We are. No, I mean, you could yeah. do a whole series. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could have a whole ass podcast just about stories on the space. But uh, going forward, not only do we want to share more stories about how amazing this <laughs> is and, and where it's come from, but yeah. we're going to be doing interviews with uh, other artists. This is going to be a very alive production we're going to be bringing different artists with brand new work in here guest artists all the time. guest artists from around the world local uh international yeah i mean discoveries with their piece and we could do a, a real-time critique 
Yeah. You know, and then also I think we could even do critiques of works that are found works. Maybe, uh, you know, from the local, uh, whatever, uh, we'll pick a piece up. I'm all about it. Like, yeah. like we, we, it's funny cause we have an idea of what we're doing and we're also kind of developing the idea at the same time. We're but open. we do know what we're doing. And yeah. I, I, if I had to condense it into an into a elevator pitch, I feel like it's the boots on the ground of the art world. Yeah. Because people, people that are not in the art world, or even people that kind of want to be, you know, they think about, like, Jeff Koons with his metal dogs and stuff, which is, which is dope. But it's like, what is, the, what is it really that you're doing as an artist? Where's that merger of the creativity and the brass tacks? Like, what the fuck happens there? Yeah. It, and you want to find out? This, this is, is the spot. This is the spot to do it. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of times, too, it's just um, people listening to this. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are listening that won't go to uh, the the gala opening at the new museum or whatever. You know, they won't do that. But they still, like, their, their son's an artist or somebody in their family. And they're down with art. But, like when you take off the shine and you just talk to people about like, you know, this is, this is, this is the, uh, the uncut version of like local yeah. artists, you know, this is what we do. Like, and then like people will say, Oh, well, I'm, I'm you know, uh, what's the phrase? Like, uh, I knew you win or whatever. Like, well, this is the win. Like, like I knew you back. When yeah, I'm yeah. 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 Like this is like the back win, like real now, real time. Like, you know, we're doing it real time, but we're just willing to share because I, like I said, I, I've seen a lot of people come in, like not even knowing they want to buy a piece of art because the environment's good and they get to meet the artists and they're like, you know what? I'm going to go home with that piece. I like huh. it. So this, this podcast and our vision and our our what we're trying to share is a the the digital version of that you know like let to let more people like if you can't ever come walk through here at least you could you can get take, our energy take the you journey with us. talking about yeah it. we'll we'll give you a audio and visual representation of what it's like to be here what makes the what makes this go around and we wouldn't have the balls to say like we know what we're talking about, except for the fact that we've that been we're doing, doing it. it. We've been doing it for yeah, thirteen years or fourteen years, and 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 that's just 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 to say how much support we've had from so many. Like it, we were not even sitting at this table, and there's so many different, a wide girth of people were down to support the arts, the local arts, which wherever city you're at or whatever country you're in. You have local artists. I feel like you should like, go to their show, support them, pat them on the back, be like, nice piece, bro. Or if you see somebody doing a mural, don't call the cops on them. <laughs> and, with, and with that, I'm signing off. Eric. Yeah, man. All, all you got to do with art is do it. Yeah. I, I wasn't an artist until I started making art. I bought a welder and some steel, and now there's shit on the wall. And the day you stop, it's all over. Wait. Shout out to Brandon.